1: Welcome to to Homer and Back, the Streak of the Lawn official podcast. We've got a very special guest tonight joining myself. I'm Pierce. I've also got Matt. Say hey,
2: Matt. Hey, what's going on?
1: (laughs) And and, uh, we've got a very special guest, Joe Davis from Fox Sports. He called the game this past weekend between UCLA and UVA with Brady Quinn. Joe, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us a little bit uh, about UVA football. We appreciate you being here.
3: Of course, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: How how was the Rose Bowl?
3: That was my first trip there, Um, so it was neat. We went there Friday afternoon. We we typically go wherever our game is and check out our booth and make sure everything's in order there the day before and And... had a chance to walk down to the field after we did that. And there's a definite aura about the place that that some places just have that it's kind of hard to it into words, you know, there's there's some kind of buzz there even when there's nobody in there. Uh, I got that at the mm-hmm. Coliseum when I was there last year. I've gotten that at Madison Square Garden, where you know Wrigley Field, or even when the ballpark is empty. There's just a uh, ballpark or stadium is empty. There's just that I even tangible buzz. I, I guess that doesn't even make sense, but uh, <laughs> no, something special about it. So and it, I definitely enjoyed it. Long answer.
1: No, no. I, I mean, it sounds like a special would love to someday. Um, I know a handful of us were out there, uh, made the trip out to L.A. to watch the game. Certainly not the result UVA fans were hoping for, uh, at least in an optimistic scenario. We're hopeful that the the Hoos would beat the spread, and uh, they actually did beat the spread. But I think what you saw was a lot of... um, consternation from the fan base about the way that the Virginia came up short there. It seemed like a game that, you know, you you turned some of those touchdowns or some of those field goals into touchdowns. It's a closer game throughout and, and maybe it doesn't slip away from you at the end. I think it easily showed on the field that UCLA is the more talented team. There's not a whole lot you can do about that, but uh, I'd love to hear some impressions you have um, about both the teams, I mean, obviously there's a lot to say about Rosen, but but we'd love to hear about some uh, impressions you have about UVA as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with several things there. First of all, the, the UCLA is a more talented team. I think we all kind of assume that, right, going in, uh, just based on looking at the paper and seeing who was coming back and what guys had done in their you know, previous years in their career. The question mark was, and Brady and I talked about this off of the top, was Josh Rosen and mm-hmm. when the question mark winds up being the best player on the field you're going to be tough to beat especially when you add to that the fact like you mentioned that Virginia kept settling for three I mean if you're going mm-hmm. to play a team who is loaded with experience loaded with talent and then oh yeah the one question mark happens they now look like a Heisman candidate you can't mm-hmm. settle for three when you've got opportunities and I know you guys is Following Virginia football, I've seen this be part of the story for the last couple of years where you know, there would be times where Virginia would move the ball, but when you're settling, you're not going to beat good teams, and you're especially not going to do it on the road.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, Joe, this is Matt. Um, I think one of the things that is causing the most angst among the Virginia faithful is um, the game plan offensively just seems so conservative, and it looked, it sounds like you guys touched on that. Um, a little bit on your broadcast, Um, but was that a a pretty strong impression seeing it in in person?
3: Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if it's as much that the game plan was conservative that stood out as it was the fact that it didn't seem like there was much budging from it, that there wasn't much much adjusting from it when it seemed like Mm -hmm. they needed to. So, you know, I, I don't know if the game plan was conservative coming in as much as the game plan was we need to run the football. Yep. in order to you know help Matt John settle in. And if that works, then that doesn't necessarily look conservative. But when you're not able to run the football, you get in the hole by a touchdown or two and then three, and you continue to bang your head against the wall trying to run it, especially I mean, what really stood out was their insistence on running the ball on first down. It became so mm-hmm. predictable that that's what they were going to do. So more more than the game plan coming in being upsetting to me, if I'm a Virginia fan, it's the fact that it wasn't adjusted as the game went on. I mean, you know, I, I hate being an armchair quarterback and being the one <laughs> just sitting up in the booth second-guessing, but I think that this was a pretty clear instance of a, a spot where necessary adjustments weren't made as quickly as they needed to be for the team to have a chance. For sure, yeah, and I,
1: I think that's something you would hear echoed Uh, throughout the the recent down years that we've had is is a lack of adjustments at the, at the half, you know, to come out and it looks like the other team knows that you're just sticking with the same game plan. Well, they've made adjustments at halftime. I'm wondering maybe if we can get a little bit of positivity, obviously they did some things right. Uh, You know, they, they marched down the field, maybe not in the red zone in terms of scoring touchdowns, but certainly there were some good spots uh, to the UVA's performance. What were some of the strengths you saw uh, in the Virginia team, and maybe some things that, that we can see uh, in games coming up to look forward to as uh, some bright spots for the team.
3: Well, knock on what he stays healthy, but I really do think you found stability at quarterback. Uh, Matt Johns really does seem like a guy that can be the guy for a couple of years. And early mm-hmm. on in the game, when you take, when you don't yet have the predictability factor that he was hampered by once the second half rolled around, he was sharp, right? Twelve for fifteen mm-hmm. in the first half. Didn't make any throws where you throw your, you know, your your face into your hands and say, "What are you doing?" There wasn't any of that early on. I mean, really sharp. Gave took what the defense gave him. They moved the ball again. You know, weren't able to punch the ball in, but uh, encouraging signs of him being at the very least a good game manager. And I don't, I don't say that as a knock. You need a lot of times a good game manager. To win sure. games, I think you add his ability to, you know, move in the pocket and extend plays and run for first downs, which I think we only saw him do once or twice, but he did flash it. You see a guy who's capable of running that offense for a couple of years, and I, the the issue right now, not to go negative again, I know we're trying to be positive. The issue right now is that he doesn't have doesn't have many targets right now. I mean, Kanan Severin mm-hmm. being the top receiver, I, I think he's solid but he's not he's not your ace receiver type he's not your game breaker type, like it sounds mm-hmm. like from everything we read and talked about the coaches with that T.J. Thorpe was going to be and will be lacking that right now hurts uh i think Jaquan yep. Mizell is a is a really nice piece that you know it's nice that he's finally getting an opportunity to be the guy and flash some of his stuff as well but um. You know, I think they're both those guys, both those positive notes, were pampered some by the context of you know the, the lack of adjustments. They weren't put in great spots as that second half rolled on.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of people saw that um, that flash of potential there for sure. And and I, I agree. I think Johns really does look like the guy. And certainly, there were a couple mistakes here and there, but I think he showed the moxie that we we enjoyed out of him last year as well. And uh, hopefully that continues uh, without maybe some of the, well, the one duck interception threw was, was certainly a bad choice. But, uh, yeah, overall, overall uh, a good-looking performance, especially in the first half. Um, we've also got Brian who's who's joined us tonight. So, Brian, if you want to say hello and, and if you've got
0: a question for Joe. Hi, everybody. Um, I was going to say good to hear from you, but that's actually the opposite case here. Joe, <laughs> uh, so, so you had mentioned sort of, You know, if we can see a little bit out of Matt Johns in terms of uh, some mobility, uh, some ability to run, uh, move around in the pocket, um, you know, how much of that do you think is uh, that Matt Johns may or may not have that ability? And how much of that do you think was just, you know, an O-line that didn't give him very many opportunities uh, last weekend?
3: Um, You're talking as far as taking off and doing things with his feet? Right. Yep. Yeah, you know, I don't know that that is because what Virginia does doesn't often design the quarterback runs. I don't know that you can put that on uh, Virginia offensive line or lack of a play calling. You know, I don't. I don't think that 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 his lack of uh, opportunities to run the ball is a result of anything more than what UCLA did schematically, and you know, I, I don't think there were many opportunities. So. When Johns takes off and runs, that's based on what Johns is seeing after the play starts. Rarely does Virginia have a quarterback draw call or a zone read type thing called. Now, would that be a bad idea to incorporate some of that into the run game? Part of you says, uh, no, why not take advantage of a guy who's a really good athlete. But part of me, too, says when stability at quarterback's been the issue for the last half decade, I'm not sure I want to put him in the crosshairs any more than I have to.
1: For sure. I think that's a great point. I mean, there's not a whole lot of depth chart uh, behind John. No. And, and good. Work. there's glad that there's no carousel anymore. Um, although, hey, Grayson Lambert looked good for Georgia, so who knows what, what he did. Weird, doing. huh? But that's a, that's a whole other subject that we you know we cover all the time, I think, with the, the quarterbacks leaving. Um, I do have a question about maybe that matchup against UCLA. I think – we were looking for UVA to to focus on defense as a strength and uh, i think especially in the first half the offense looks to me like the better the better unit mm-hmm. out there again they weren't they weren't scoring 7 points in those possessions but they were moving the ball they were getting completions they were getting the ball to the skill guys whereas the defense was just getting beat I mean, the first play of the game, candidate catches up. He gets beat, and he does a good job catching up to the receiver and flashing his hand in front of him, which you know maybe led to the drop, but it still should have been a touchdown, and that really set the tone for Rosen doing whatever he wanted. Now, obviously, he's an all-star talent. He's, he's already being talked about as a Heisman uh, candidate, as a, a true freshman. Do you think it ex- it, it, it showed any weaknesses in Virginia's defensive scheme or talent there, or is this really again just a case of a guy making NFL caliber throws, especially that first touchdown, uh, which was against you know our all-star safety Quint Blanding. Blanding was playing perfect coverage; the ball just got dropped in the perfect position. The receiver made a play on it. Uh, but do you see anything that UVA fans, you know, might might be pessimistic or worried about in the in the defensive? side of the ball?
3: Yeah, you know, what impressed me most, or what what I thought the most impressive things of Rosen's game came from, a lot of it was that offensive line. You know, one of the mm-hmm. most experienced offensive lines in the country right from the start had him really comfy, and there were never Short. very, very few plays where he was throwing off his back foot or having to move off the spot at all. Now, is that because that offensive line is really good, or is that because... What Virginia lost defensively is really that mm-hmm. significant. Yeah, you know, I know that it's four all-conference players that they lost. So on paper, yeah, it, it looks like it is somewhat significant. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't know. I guess time will tell if we were seeing a, a really good UCLA offensive line, or if we were seeing a Virginia defense that just is far from the group that it was a season ago when it comes to put pressure on the quarterback. Right. Right.
2: Hey Joe, it's kind of a, uh, a follow up to that. I would be curious to hear from what experience you had talking to UCLA folks. Um, did Saturday go how they thought it was going to go, or do you think they were pleasantly surprised, or do you think that they, you know, thought it was going to be um, even bigger of a margin?
3: I think around the program that they. I mean, and even you guys, I listened to the podcast last week. I think it was pretty split down the middle about Virginia was going to win or not. This is a Virginia podcast, right? So I think the the expectations were that UCLA would win the game. I I think that that was what they figured around the program. Um, I don't think at all that they looked at it as a win in the bag, and all they had to do to make sure that that wasn't the case was look at last year, where if they don't get three defensive touchdowns, they lose. In a game where they're favored just as heavily, you know, despite it being on the road versus at the Rose Bowl. So I think because of what had happened last year, they weren't taking Virginia lightly at all, and I think would be really pleased, or uh, are really pleased at this point with, you know, how uh, how handily by the time things were done, the score looked. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you see Virginia ma- making the expectations of? of- You know, a team that's trying to get to a bowl game that's got a you know terribly difficult schedule in front of them. Certainly, most people weren't penciling this in as a win for them. Is there any reason to change that expectation, whether it be in minds of Virginia fans or out you know the outside media or whoever, as a a team that's going to struggle to get to that five or six, but but maybe has the talent to get to that five or six win total despite the the, uh, difficult schedule ahead of them.
3: Yeah, sure. You know, I think that they could be a bowl team. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'd call it a great struggle to get to six wins. I don't know if I'd call it a failure if they didn't get to six wins. Um, But I think it can be a bowl team. Uh, You know, we watched – we went and watched Notre Dame. I don't know, that's a topic you guys will talk plenty about this week. Mm -hmm. We went and watched them after our game, Brady being Brady. And I actually grew up – you're going to hate me for this, but I grew up a Notre Dame fan. So we went and watched Notre (laughs) Dame after – after uh, our game last weekend, and man, oh man, are they—they're <laughs> impressive. They don't look like you know the Notre Dame team of the last twenty years, and there've been some good Notre For Dame sure. teams in there. So that's a really good team you've got coming to town. So, um, you know, William and Mary—you you would assume would be a win. Boise State—that's um, at home, right? That, that'll be in it's charlotte It's a home game,
1: and it's—it's it's a Friday night game, so there should be okay. plenty of people, plenty of energy.
3: Okay, so I mean, I think a game like that could be a really big swing game when you're talking about whether or not it's a bowl team. You know, when you mm-hmm. get to early December and the November when the season finishes against Virginia Tech, and you look back on the season and say, you know, hey, we're we're a bowl team. Where did it happen? Or we're not. That Boise State game could be one that you look back on, whether it's win or loss, in determining how things swing around that 500 mark, whether or not you get to a bowl game or not. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Joe, you mentioned that
0: uh, you went back and watched the Notre Dame game. Uh, You didn't reveal your allegiances before we invited you to this podcast. (laughs) Um, So we regret everything we've done to this point. Um, You know, but so as, as probably one of the few people, um who watched both the u v a and the Notre Dame gamers fairly closely then you know what can you say about this matchup united you know, and, and and we'll talk about this a little bit more later as well, but you know uh Notre Dame obviously with the the huge win uh but also a big injury uh from last week you know how how did how did the two teams match up?
3: I think, and this is from a full week of preparing to Talk about studying UCLA and just a, mm-hmm. a couple hours sitting down at the bar watching Notre Dame over dinner and beers. So it's a little bit different in my knowledge of the two, but That's Notre what we Dame consider looks to
0: be... be researched here at Streaking the Line. By the way, oh, sure. <laughs> I, I
3: wish I would have known that going into last week; would have saved me some time. I would have I would have showed up uh, ready to roll with no work. Uh, I think you know, based on that preparation that I that I did in UCLA and watching Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's more talented than UCLA um i think that they have more fire significantly more firepower on offense i think UCLA's got a really good quarterback as we found out i think they're deep when it comes to skill guys but there's nobody that really like scares the hell out of you, right as far as an offensive weapon for UCLA i think there's a few for notre dame um i think that UCLA defensively is really sound I think that Notre Dame's got a few cats like Jalen Smith where you're like, dear Lord. Um, you know, you've yeah. got that, like, you got Miles Jack for UCLA, and there's a couple guys you could maybe say that about. But I think there's several guys that jump off the screen to you when it comes to Notre Dame. Now, all that said, it's going to be at Virginia versus playing in the Rose Bowl, or in this case, playing in South Bend. And that's mm-hmm. a significant thing. And it's going to be Malik Zaire's first true road start. So I mean, you never know how how a guy's going to react in a situation like that.
1: Well, we're looking forward to it. I mean, it's the home opener, but uh, you know, I think we'll get to predictions later on uh, when, when after we let you go. But I think we're we're excited because you got to be excited to have Notre Dame come to town. Yeah. You got to be excited to have a, a season start. But I don't think anyone's excited to be facing 0 2. Uh, with the potential of, you know, bully. oh, you got to think they beat William & Mary, let's knock on wood, but uh, it's a tough stretch. Um, I think the ACC showed this weekend that they weren't up to the challenge in any of the slate. I don't know how much you followed the the overall conference results, but pretty much every team that played a cupcake beat the cupcakes. Most of them beat them soundly but every team that played on the national stage uh, against a, a power five team lost. Um, you know, Carolina had every chance in the world to beat the Gamecocks lost. Um and going from mm-hmm. there, you, you know, you, UVA obviously. Um, but, you know, I think the ACC presents opportunity for Virginia and it's because of the mediocrity, just to be blunt about it. Um <laughs> Do you see anything other than maybe that FSU and, I mean, Georgia Tech, I I would say is probably the favorite in the weekend of another team that had a chance to make noise. Um, But how do you see the conference shaping up overall?
3: Yeah, I think that it's maybe a little bit more top-heavy than we thought coming in, right, with Georgia Mm -hmm. Tech and Florida State and and Clemson. Um, You know, I think that – and it's it's only one week, but I think that folks would have liked to have thought that North Carolina was going to be a team that could push for the, you know, for the front of the conference and um, not that they can't, I mean, they lost to an SEC team. So right. I don't right. know how much, how much uh, you want to knock them for that. But like you said, nobody really in uh, you know, Louisville against an SEC team as well, looked pretty good, but nothing better than that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's going to be fairly similar, To last year at least upon first impressions where it's fairly top heavy and what that does it presents some opportunities right for parity in the middle of the conference where uh, you can make a run at bowl eligibility if you're a team like virginia you know if you can go i think the key is going two and two in your non-conference play so whether that's shocking notre dame and beating william mary or that's you know finishing the finishing the month and finishing the non-conference slate with a couple of wins and uh, William and Mary and Boise State. I think that if you can go into conference play sitting at two and two, I like your chances to you know reach uh, reach some goals, which I know is going back to a bowl game.
1: All right. Well, hopefully it works out for that. Um, again, we appreciate you coming on. I think we could go ahead. We'll, we'll let you go. I'm sure you got got uh, more research to do, whether it be uh, at the bar or elsewhere, for a <laughs> game coming up this week. But uh, again, many, many thanks on, on behalf of all of us here at Streaking the Line. And uh, you know, if you ever get brought to Charlottesville for one of those basketball games, uh, let us know, and, and we'll come do some research with you.
3: Awesome, guys. I appreciate you having me. Glad to any time.
1: All right, thanks, take sure. care,
3: take Joe. Care. Thanks,
1: Bye. Joe. See you guys. All right, let's also bring on a, a new introduction for the evening, but not new to the podcast. Caroline is joining us to talk. Uh, well, we'll reflect maybe a little bit more about the UCLA game, but then let's really spend the rest of the time previewing the Notre Dame game. Caroline, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, thanks. I'm just here so I don't get fined.
1: Oh, good job. <laughs> Excellent. Uh... <laughs> Well, I want to want to leave one one final question. Uh, maybe I should have kept Joe on it, but let's talk about what everyone's been talking about very briefly: pro or against the helmets that UVA rolled out with um, on Saturday. I'll leave my opinion for the end. I'll, I'll go, Car- Caroline. You first dibs. What do you think of the helmets?
4: All right, so. I loved them. When I heard about them at first without seeing any pictures, I was like, this is going to be hideous. Why are we doing this? Um, and then they tweeted. Maybe it was just like the way they took the picture, or maybe it was a filter. I don't know. But I thought they looked amazing. Uh, big fan. I don't know if I want them every game. I still liked the um, the ones that we wore for the Pittsburgh night game uh, mm-hmm. last season. Better? The graphite ones or whatever? Yeah, but these were yeah those cool. are tight. Pretty cool.
1: All right. Uh Traga, what do you think?
2: Um I had mixed feelings on the helmets. I think the helmets have a lot of potential. Um I'm definitely not a an expert in the sartorial arts, um, <laughs> but I thought that the white on white combo was, was a little strange. Um my other comment would be I think those helmets would look a lot better if the team was a lot better. Um, you know, I think part of the, I think part of the reason Oregon's uniforms look so um, look so uh, badass is that you know the team is as good as it is. So, um, you know, I think Virginia's got the gear now. I think it is. Uh, you know, now it's up to. Uh, Coaching staff and the players to uh <laughs> right, let's, level let's play
1: up. up to our fashion yeah. game uh level yeah I like that uh brian what you what do you think
0: i um I absolutely loved these uh from the second I laid eyes on them <laughs> um, i think I think it was meant to be uh, I think trog's absolutely right that if Virginia were a better team um then the fan base would say, you know look at what we're doing now. Um, but as the case may be, uh, given our uh, our last year's struggles uh, that appear to be continuing a little bit, um, you know, I think a lot of the fan base says, uh, why are we investing or why are we even thinking about these uh, types of things when instead we should be looking at the product on the field, right? Why are we spending time right. on this promotional stuff, um, this sort of uh, kitschy kind of stuff and not focusing uh, you know, on the field. And, and I think that's uh, a little bit of a fair assessment, but at the same time, you know, I doubt uh, that Mike London and Steve Fairchild are sitting there, you know, thinking about uh, what color, you know, whether it's <laughs> right. on this side or that side or what have you. You know, I, I don't think they're they're getting distracted by this. I think it gets um, the players excited. I think it gets recruits excited. We certainly saw plenty of Twitter uh, positive reaction from the the, fan, the recruits. um and so I'm, I'm all for it next to our classic uh, or next to my favorite combo of blue helmets, orange jerseys and blue pants. Uh, this is probably, you know, one of my my top couple.
1: I'm going to agree with you on favorite combo. I like the blue, orange, blue. I'm also going to agree that I love the graphite helmets, and I hope to see those again sometime. And I'm also going to agree that from the moment I saw them, I loved Saturday's helmets. So uh, I guess I'm a little disappointed that all of us, for the most part, like them because I was hoping for some arguing that I saw (laughs) on the internet. But I think what it means is if you didn't like the helmets that you're old, and we don't have any old people tonight on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> thank you. Finally, move.
0: somebody is a... <laughs> You're not that uh, We'll old, leave it to the Facebook commenters to give their feedback <laughs> about uh,
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, um, maybe we'll do a whole fashion podcast in the off season, But uh, for now, let's go ahead and, and jump right into some Notre Dame preview. I know we did a little bit of it with, with Joe. Obviously, it's a talented team coming in. Uh, it's a talented team that lost their running back. Uh, it's injury, but that doesn't really affect much, in my opinion, because uh, the back of CJ, the ProSize, is that how you say it, looked good. Uh, he's a Virginia kid, by the way. He played for uh, Woodbury Forest, I believe. Um, but, you know, and that speaks to a whole other issue. But anyway, uh, let, let's, you know, it's a talented team coming in. I want to hear from you guys who you want to see some demonstrated improvement from because uh, I think we talked about plenty about, you know, what went wrong, what looked good. What's something that you could see from game one to game two make something, uh, you know, a demonstrated change to give us some, some hope in the coaching, some hope in, in the rest of the season, regardless if if they win. But certainly we're going to need improvements across the board to, to win. But uh, how about Matt? Why don't, why don't you first – give me your first example is something you're looking for demonstrated improvement in game 2.
2: Yeah, I think if you had um yeah, you know, if you had a if you're a Virginia fan that had reasons for optimism this year, it would be because the offensive line is more experienced and deeper than it has been in recent years. Um I think that um you know the offensive line probably gets a, a, a C grade for Saturday against UCLA. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Johns only got sacked once, but he was under pressure, you know, most of the afternoon and, and the line definitely had trouble punching holes for the running back. So, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see that line um, come together. There was a lot of talk about power football in the off season. Um, you know, I, I think you know, that obviously starts with the offensive line. you want to see.
1: Mm-hmm. You wanna see there. Uh, did you, do you see something else that you're looking for?
4: Um, yeah, and I've put a lot of hype on Quinn Blanding myself, but I feel like there was a few times where I wasn't hearing his name. or um, re- Between Quinn Blanding and, and maybe some Tim Harris, there were a couple uh, couple plays that looked a little slow, and I know that uh, I expect a little bit more of it. And that's not to say they didn't play well, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more of that like flash and superstar um, performance that Quinn had at the end of last season. But mostly I'd like to see – John's opened up, and I think John's had a great game, and I know you guys talked about that earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. But they were holding him back, if it looked like. You know, like when he finally opened up some stuff, and, you know, we talked about the lofted weird interception where the the receiver got run out of bounds legally, but whatever, you know. Um, (laughs) But that kid can do so much more, they just weren't letting him. Um, And I think that would be something like, why the heck not? You know, like you're playing a top-ten team. Like, yeah. let, them, let them lose.
1: Well, I think especially in a night game and a home game, they're going to be a little more amped. Maybe you think the nerves um, – well, certainly there'll be nerves there, but maybe there's those, those, those motivational nerves instead of any in- intimidation. I, not that I'm thinking Johns was all that intimidated in a, a warm – Saturday in LA in a half-full Rose Bowl, but uh, I digress. Brian, uh, do you see something else that, that you're looking for uh, in some established improvement in Game Two?
0: Uh, I I don't know if this is a established established improvement um, from our players, uh, but I certainly want to see more aggressive play calling. I think mm-hmm. when and, and this you know this comes to no, nobody's surprise, right? But I think when mm-hmm. Mike London first came. Um, his first season, his first two season, uh he was very aggressive, you know, going on it on, on fourth and whatever. And, you know, I, uh, I believe there was one trick play that uh, really caught a lot of people off guard, right? There was one fake that caught people off guard. Uh, and I think that's what Virginia fans want. That's what yeah. they need right now um, is that everybody's sort of tired of the same boring play calling. You know, fourth and two and you're down, you know, fourth and goal rather and you're down, you know why are we why are we taking three points there right and and this is a conversation that sort of every single fan has had uh since last Saturday, so I don't know if we really need to beat the horse right there, but uh, <laughs> aggressive play calling you know more tricks up the sleeve you know and if it fails it fails, but I do want to see us at least try for it
2: you know Brian it's interesting we've we've heard a lot recently you know especially since last season about you know power football and getting back to Kind of traditional UVA, you know, kind of traditional UVA offensive style, right? Focusing on our running backs and tight ends and things like that. But as you as you mentioned, if you look back at London's first couple of years, um, you know that offense with, uh, under Bill Lazor was pretty unpredictable, and they were they were running trick plays every week, and um, um, you know, be wide open with Verica and Rocco, and so it's interesting, you know, since they brought on. Fairchild and I remember that you know John Oliver gave an interview like we need to get back to power football that's kind of you know that's kind of what we've gotten away from and since they brought on Fairchild it it seems like we're trying to shoehorn um, this offensive style and we don't just we don't seem to have the bodies for it at the moment so I agree with you guys I'd love to see um, I'd love to see them open it up I'd love to see them get more creative I think, um, you know, especially last Saturday, um, you know, that there was ample opportunity to let Johns lose a little bit more. So I hope, we, like Caroline said, I hope we see that more against Dame. Sure, so
1: I'd like to um, think that I was maybe one of the more forgiving um, fans out there in terms of Steve Fairchild, uh, even even through last year. Um, I was obviously generally upset with all the losing and and whatnot, and any coaching uh, decision that goes awry, you know, we're all fans are going to be up in arms about that. But this game, this game really did hit home for me that uh, the coordinator, the play calling on the offense, really is an issue, and there really isn't any room for the benefit of the doubt that you could have given them about. You know well if if Grayson isn't showing him, he's got the accuracy or if Grayson's checking down even though there is a uh, far you know a route called farther down the field or something like that i I think I may have been one of the last ones to jump on the bandwagon of 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 pitchforks and 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 you know calling for a new coordinator, but I'm on it now uh because of this game because you don't you don't line up in a shotgun on third and short. And run a slow developing running play when and and you can do that when you know you're going to get the yardage. But why you would think you would get the yardage when we're getting dominated on both sides of the line all game long, and it was long enough into the game to know that it wasn't going to work that the O line was struggling against a more talented D line. I mean that that I was flabbergasted. Um, and I think it, it also brings me real quick to my answer to my own question. Is something I need to see improvement from is the defensive line too? Because we're going to have to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Yes, UCLA, as Joe said earlier, UCLA's O-line is one of the best, if not the best we're going to see this year. But it's not like Notre Dame's going to have a bad one. It's not like Virginia Tech's going to well, actually, Virginia Tech has a bad one. But anyway, you know what I mean? The other <laughs> opponents out there who have very good ones, and we're going to have to get more pressure on it for sure. And it's replacing pressure that Eli and Max brought last year, and it needs to happen. Um Trogdon, did you say you wanted to jump in?
2: Yeah, you know, if you think about it in real simple terms, uh, uh, um, like the equation of the last year's football team compared to this year's football team, you know, the hope this year is that um, the improvement in offensive personnel would be greater than the step back you're going to take with defensive personnel, right? And I think where the question is now is – you know that might still be the case, um, but is the mm-hmm. offensive scheme going to allow the offensive personnel, you know, to be the the, the top unit on the team? Um, if the offensive Absolutely. scheme is hurting the personnel, then then I think Virginia could be in for a more trying year than, than for Hope. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, in the Caroline,
1: positive- what do you think of the pumper okay. punter? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was going to say in a positive note. Uh, when we do make these horrible calls on third and second, we have this lovely, lovely, lovely punter, Nick Conti, <laughs> to fall back on. Who I, I think he's going to appreciate
0: uh, you calling him lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs>
2: lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely.
4: So. When he listens, as I'm sure he, has, I'm sure he has this teed up ready to go. Abi, uh, um, He averaged <laughs> 50.5, 50. 50.2 50. yards a punt with a long of 55. Uh, I was at school in the Tom Hagen days. And that's like the three Tom Hagen ones. Like it, no offense. Tom it was it was cool. shout out to Tom Hagen. But to be able to to boom some of those downfield, like it was such a delight to see. And then of course the fake, he was all over it. Like I bet he was jumping on the sidelines like, Coach, I got this. Six yards, I got this, no problem. Um I mean, just a kicking game in general with, with Fry just looked automatic. Fry's been up yeah.
3: there.
4: I'm all for it. For kicking sure. game was I think on point. So uh, if there's one thing I'm super excited about for Saturday, it's seeing some good punts. <laughs> Caroline, do we know what year
2: those guys are?
4: Uh, I think Conti's a third year.
1: Um, I don't know, I have it in front of me. Yeah, I didn't a a do my
4: research. Uh, yeah, Conti's well, a wh- third year. And let me find my boyfriend. We can a go year. to the bar and research that.
2: That's and, yeah. Yep,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, third, I think one year, person. One person we need to talk about for those listening who might not have watched Notre Dame this week or might be uh, not too familiar with them is Jalen Smith, uh, their linebacker. He wears number nine. You can you can actually – I believe he was identified in our amazing infographic today. We're a little self-blurb right there. But anyway, he uh, he's all over the place on defense. So that's somebody – that I think, you know, Miles Jack is a great player that you saw for UCLA in terms of his physicality. Um, but it, I, I don't think we saw somebody quite like Jalen Smith. And, you know, I'm worried about, I'm um, about turnovers. I'm worried about winning that turnover battle, which is something we needed to do against UCLA to have a chance. We didn't do, Again, you know, we only gave up the one uh, interception. It was a bad one, but, but certainly, um, you know, things could have been worse <laughs> in terms of the turnover number. What do you guys think, you know, is there anything they think uh, that we can focus on to to make a difference? I think it all comes back to pass rush, but maybe there's something uh, something else we could do uh, to focus on a, a turnover there. Um, Matt, do you have any any ideas?
2: I mean, other like other than pass rush, it, it just looked. You know, I kept thinking watching the game Saturday that you know the defense needed to come up and make a play. You know, and, and last year. The pass rush really keyed um, most of the most of the turnovers that the team created, right? And you know, I I think we're seeing that you know Mike Moore and Quanti Moore and Trent Corney, you know, are going to bring a different skill set than Eli Harold and Max Hall did. now, it it's popped the defensive line might not be as disruptive this year. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, we're gonna see what that means for Canuda's defense, right?
1: For sure.
4: And I, I thought there was some times on Saturday where it looked a little bit like there was hesitation by the defense whether they were pass rushing or not pass rushing. I'd kinda of wanna see mm-hmm. all or nothing. Like either you're gonna you're gonna blitz and you're gonna blitz or mm-hmm. You're not going to blitz, and you're going to, you know, play cover D. Like I, I just, I don't like the in between because I think it opened too many holes for them, and they hit a lot of. You do like the, you know.
1: the delayed blitz. Yeah.
4: Nah, not yeah. a big fan. I don't think we pull it off well <laughs> enough. Just like the rushed, the no huddle, we don't pull that off either. It doesn't fool anybody. We just <laughs> yeah, get some, like uh, delay a game penalties and stuff like that, or uh, not delay a game, but false starts. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I, I, mean, I kind of like, like, like that.
1: Yeah, you know, just like you saw in uh, Tiki's game analysis, that uh, you know they looked better when they weren't blitzing. And it's because they weren't getting a pass rush even when they were blitzing, and that just leaves you know guys on islands. And and well, I like our I like our defensive backs. Um, you know, they're not a shutdown, lockdown, single coverage all all over the place type of group for sure, especially against a talented team. Uh, but why don't we go ahead and and, and talk uh, some predictions? I think we got a lot of. Good stuff all over there about what to look for in the scam. I want to hear you guys' uh, predictions. Let's go back to a little bit of positivity. Let's go with a, a player that you think is going to have a good game for UBA, and then maybe why you think that, or what would constitute a good game for them, and then just a, a, a flat-out score prediction uh, for the home opener. Uh, why don't we go? Why don't we jump back to you, Caroline? I'm going to put you on the spot. You get to be first. Uh, for your your UVA MVP and uh, prediction?
4: I'm going to go Matt Johns because I think they're going to let him do a little bit more. Um, I think he showed that he's capable of it, like I said. Um, And I just think Mm -hmm. that he could kind of tell that Kane and Severin, Matt Johns' connection was there. And if they use um, Smoke as a little bit more of a receiver as well, because he's talented uh, both running and receiving, um, I think Johns could have a pretty big day. And uh, I'm going to go, obviously, Keyboard Cat. We're going to upset Notre Dame. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be 34-31, UVA. Boom.
1: (laughs) I love to start off with the optimism. Brian, why don't you jump in with with your two predictions?
0: (laughs) In a recurring theme, uh, is always picking Virginia. I don't think anybody (laughs) should expect that to change as this podcast uh, moves along for the season um i think uh we're gonna get a big game from ian fry uh i think which which is not you know this doesn't bode well for my prediction right um you know i think uh we're gonna get a lot of field goals uh i think we're i think the struggle will continue a little bit for the o-line um i agree that with caroline that matt johns uh, has sort of earned and demonstrated that he uh, can do a little bit more than uh, what the Virginia fan base was expecting, at least as of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I still think that uh, he can only overcome, you know, so much out of the one and a half seconds that he has in the pocket uh, to get rid of the ball. So I think Ian Fry is going to come out big for Virginia. The line for uh, the game, I believe as of right now is 12 and a half. Um, for that's not my echo, right? Uh, sorry. Uh the, <laughs> the line for the game is twelve and a half in favor of Notre Dame. Uh I think Virginia's gonna take uh I guess Virginia's gonna cover. I think it's gonna be a close loss um somewhere around the uh we'll say twenty four to twenty one range.
2: All so right.
0: Notre Dame, twenty one Virginia.
1: All right. Matt Widow, what, uh, what have we got for a prediction?
2: I uh, My player to watch, I'm going to go Kelvin Rainey. I thought he had a um, surprisingly good game on Saturday against UCLA. Um, he will have another uh, busy afternoon this Saturday, um, unfortunately. Um, and I think he will uh, continue to impress and continue to uh, look like a uh, pretty good running mate for Quentin Blanding in the defensive backfield. Um in our infographic today i had did Notre Dame to cover um but I also predicted virginia to predicted uh over three and a half good old songs um <laughs> so i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go similar score to last week uh I'll go three touch three field goals and a touchdown for Virginia, and then I will give uh Notre Dame. 35
0: points. So I go 35-16. All right. Well, I'm, uh, glad I'm, you, I'm, gonna... uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that infograph about the spread um, because I just realized that my prediction tonight here was inconsistent with my uh, <laughs> prediction and that I picked Notre Dame to cover that. Uh, but, you know, it's been a couple of days since we originally I uh, yeah. made those picks and teed up that infograph. Things change. Like let's let's just move it's on. The
1: nature Go of on. prognostication <laughs> uh, uh, and amateurism <laughs> at that, that.
4: <laughs> but I would like to say um mine were all yeah. consistent. So well, course, when you always pick course. winning, it seems very easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to stick with the, back, the 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 defensive backfield. Um, I'm going to go with Quinn Blanding. I think uh, he played well. I think, especially against the run game, he played well. I think he got burnt for two touchdowns. But I don't think, especially the first one, there was nothing he could do on that throw on that first touchdown. Um, and I think he's going to want to show up in his second year in the home opener and, and make even better plays and maybe force a, a turnover here. Um, I picked in the infographic for over for the good old song song because of I think we'll get him field goal range and we'll have two or three field goals and be able to sing the good old song for time. Um But I'm going to go against what I said in the infographic and say that UVA will not beat the spread um and really that's just because my opinion of Notre Dame has gone up uh in the past twenty four hours or so since I filled that out. Um I really I, I I'm I'm swayed by Joe's opinion that they're more talented than UCL. And I just think they're gonna put some points on the board that we're not gonna be able to match up with. So um I'll go something along the lines of oh, let's call it twenty thirty four. Uh, with the Irish covering that ten and a half or nine and a half, whatever the spread ends up, being. Um, and I'm I'm not going to be a happy camper uh, with the Notre Dame faithful that I've got tailgating with me, um, but I'm sure they'll be nice mm-hmm. about it. Anyway, I digress.
0: Uh, unless you guys have well, any good other, news that you did pick. The good news is that you did pick Notre Dame to cover in the infographic. So, oh, uh, I did. Oh, right, that, well, now I'm currently i it.
1: I, I, I'm totally consistent, even though I'm not pretending to be. Um,
0: why yeah, don't we, here, uh, you just... should check out this great website, streakingthelon.com. It's got a great infographic. It'll
3: have all your predictions ah. on
1: it. <laughs> well, <and laughs> is
0: there is there a Twitter I can follow
1: and a, a Facebook? <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. Cool. I won't look, look for those.
4: That was okay. You got those that something add? Else up. Something else coming up this weekend that our, our listeners should know about.
1: Something else coming up this week. Whatever could it be?
4: I don't know. Brian, what is that?
0: (laughs) Y'all, this was the worst segue I've ever heard in my
4: entire
1: life.
0: (laughs) Uh, But that notwithstanding, uh, St. Martin's is our like five-time sponsor now of the the, uh, season kickoff uh, tailgate. So we will be camped out in front of the uh, physics building on Saturday. The tailgate will start at 11 o'clock. Um, I, I called it season starting, but last year, um, you know, we actually picked a second game. Virginia has never lost in a game where streaking the lawn has hosted a tailgate for everybody. So wow, keep the tradition alive. Exactly. This includes a big yep. win against BYU a couple of years ago. Um, so uh, really looking forward to seeing everybody there. We're going to have wings. We're going to have beverages of different varieties. We have corn. We'll have a TV so you can catch any of the, uh daytime games that you're looking for.
2: Brian, where's the um, where's the tailgate gonna be?
0: Right in front of the physics building. You can't miss it. There will be a big sign that says well there will be an average sign that says uh streaking the lawn.
2: <laughs> are we gonna have are there gonna be name tags? Uh, absolutely
0: <laughs> oh yeah please R S V P so that we can get an accurate head count. Uh we'll see about the name tag situation. I think you can cut me at the first and
4: be disappointed.
0: Certainly icebreakers.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, for everyone out there listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate it. Leave some comments for us. We'd be happy to hear your opinions about uh, who you think is going to step up. Or maybe you're one of the old people who didn't like the helmets and you're offended uh, by me calling you old. You're old. Uh, But either way, I hope you uh, join us at the tailgate if you're in Charlottesville this Saturday. And if not, join us in the game thread on the blog while we discuss that going on. I know we had a pretty lively one during the UCLA game for sure. Uh, for Brian and Matt and Caroline, I'm Pierce with Streaking the Line. Uh, we'll just end with another Go Who's.
3: The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you, portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved and wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today.